We come now to our sermon, and our sermon is titled today, A Lamb Among Wolves. And we are going to be looking at two passages of scriptures, one from Luke 3 and another from 2 Kings chapter 5. So as we begin today, imagine on our church lawn that if we were to uh, give away items, if we had three choices of items that we could give away on our lawn. So suppose we set up a station right over here and we were giving away Starbucks coffee. All right. And then suppose right over there, we're giving away Dunkin' Donuts. And then at our third table, we are giving away humility. Well, I can imagine what would be the least frequented table. It would be the table of humility. Can you imagine someone walking over to that table and saying, ah, can, can you give me a double shot of that? Hey, hey, can I have a dozen? No, no, of course not. And yet this is the very mission of the church. We are coming to people and our, our message is humble yourself before God. Because without humility, people will never say to God, help me. Without humility, people will never find their salvation in Jesus Christ. So how are we going to communicate this message to the people around us? How are we going to communicate this message of humility, which would seem to be so poorly received? We're going to need a marketing strategy. We're going to need someone very wise and savvy to give us a plan so that we can go about sharing this hard-to-sell item. And Jesus gives us one. Here is Jesus' marketing strategy for us. He says, be a lamb among wolves. Well, that, that doesn't seem so helpful, Jesus. I just got to say, that doesn't seem like that's going to get the message across. But we will see. Um, we're going to be uh, reading from our first passage of Scripture today. It's going to be Luke 10, uh, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read that for us now. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, and this is Jesus speaking, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. What we have in this passage is that Jesus is going about and he's beginning to teach in the different villages. And he is teaching them that they need to humble themselves before God. But Jesus is sending out reconnaissance teams, in fact, 36 pairs of them, in advance of his travels. It's kind of the illustration I have in mind is, you know, imagine if the president were visiting place and of course the Secret Service would go and, and make sure everything's ready for the president. So they have this kind of, you know, presidential advance team. Well, Jesus has an advance team and these disciples are prepping for their dignitary, their dignitary being Jesus Christ. We see in Luke 10 verse two, Jesus says to them, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that people are ready to listen. 
We need to get them ready. Let's go find those people because they are ready to listen to this message that Jesus is bringing. As we think of ourselves today, do we believe today that the harvest is plentiful? Do we believe today that there are people who are looking for God, who are ready to follow Jesus Christ, and we just need to get the message to them? Do we believe today that there are people who are seeking humility that comes from God, and we just need to get the message to them? And as I say that, you say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, and certainly as I talk to people, there's understandable doubts about that. But as I come and speak to you today, I speak with the hope that God is at work in the lives around us. And we just need to get the message to them. One of the things that I think can be challenging for us is because we're like, what are we selling? What are we, what are we giving out? And we're, we're selling humility. Humility before God. And uh, that, that doesn't seem like something that people would be interested in buying. But I want you to know, the people out there, they find themselves very fatigued in life. And they find that life without God is like running on a treadmill. They just keep going and going and going, but they are getting nowhere. And just like on that treadmill, if you were to stop, you get flung off. And that is how life feels for them. And they keep trying to find their joy in a nicer treadmill. But that nicer treadmill, the joy simply does not stay. And people eventually realize, I need to be saved from my treadmill life because I know I'm just terribly exhausted and I know I'm not going anywhere. Such people, for them, life has so humbled them that the humility that comes from God seems like a respite. The humility that comes from God is a salvation to the humility they have suffered under their own power. So the question I have for you, is the harvest plentiful? And the next question, are we surrounded by treadmill lives? Yes and yes. And Jesus says to us, ask the Lord to send more workers. Send more workers into the field. And the question I have for you today is, are you the answer to that call for more workers? Luke 10.3 says this, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. First part of that, go, I am sending you out. Note, it's not stay here and wait. To fulfill the mission of God, we need to go. To fulfill that call to be the workers in the field, we have to go. We need a mindset that allows us to be mission-oriented. And we hear the word mission and we say, that feels like a word for someone else. That feels like something that someone does other than me. 
We hear the word mission and you have the same reaction to the trash that I had as I saw this morning. That's not for me. But the trash was for me this morning. Maybe the word mission is for you today. So what does it mean to have a mission mindset? It's to live your life to honor God and to do that in a way that is public and do that in a way that others can see. So I have the question for you today. First question I'm going to ask is, what, what life do you want? Do you want the treadmill life or you do you want the mission life? The treadmill life, different day, same story. The mission life has purpose, has meaning, and we are able to serve God. So the question for you is, how, how do you do this? Like, what do you do? What do you do to live this mission life? It's really not as complicated as you might think. You're just going to do life normally. And you're going just to allow yourself to be open to God's leading. And as opportunities arise, you're going to follow God's leading and speak the truth of God into those situations. It's not that complicated. I'm not calling you to go some crazy place. I'm not calling you to do life differently than you're doing. I'm just calling you that however you're doing life now, that you might be open to the leading of God to speak truth into that situation. And as you see an opportunity to share the message of God, as you see an opportunity to love the people around you, that you will seize that and do that. Why? Because you think of yourself as living on mission. Because if you didn't think of yourself as living on mission, you wouldn't have done that. And you would have just kept on going and ignored that situation. So think about this. Think about this. Have you, have you ever bought something and then you notice it everywhere? So maybe, maybe you're looking for a new car. And you're, you're like, hmm, you know, I think I'm going to get this, this brand. And that brand is on your mind. That make and model is on your mind. And now everywhere you go, you see one of those cars. They've always been there before, but you just never noticed it. But now that you're thinking about it, you see it. Living with the mission mindset is like that. We're not out there making the opportunities. The opportunities are already there with us. We just don't have the eyes to see them because we're not looking for them. Because we're not thinking about it. But if we will embrace that mission lifestyle, those opportunities, they will be there. And once again, I said it, but I'll say it again. I'm not calling you to do life any differently than you're doing it now. I'm just calling you to be more aware in the life that you are living. Next here in this passage, we see that Jesus sent them out like lambs among wolves. And Jesus explaining to his disciples that this idea of missional living will involve some risk. Missional living at times will cause us to confront our fears. Sounds a little scary to say something about Jesus to someone you know, doesn't it? Sounds a little frightening. Maybe talk about something you heard in church today. But remember that Jesus sends us out as lambs among wolves. And while lambs seemed vulnerable among wolves, and certainly they would be, 
They would be if they weren't guarded by Jesus, the great shepherd. Jesus is indeed our great shepherd, and we have no reason to fear the wolves around us. This idea of living like lambs among wolves and the fear that it causes, but the true safety that we're in, is a little bit like riding a roller coaster. Have you ridden a roller coaster before? And in that moment of riding, it's terrifying, isn't it? But you were always safe. You were always securely buckled in. In the same way, as we live as lambs among wolves, we are always protected by Jesus, our great shepherd. Still, though, some Christians, and by some, I mean lots. And by lots, I mean people like me. Right? As I'm speaking to you now, I'm, not, I'm speaking to us. I am speaking to us. We get scared and fear paralyzes. And the result of our fear is that we always stay where it's safe. We always talk about Jesus in places that we feel like it's safe. And we never want to kind of venture out into that area and speak Jesus where it might seem a little bit uncomfortable. But as we think of our lives, what does our week look like? Here is how I hope we might script out our week is that we come here and we gather together on a Sunday morning and we worship together. It's a place where we get encouraged. It's a place where we fuel up for the life that is before us. And then for six days, we live a missional life as a worker in the harvest field. And thus, as a church, I'm not putting us out there with a lot of events and programs and all these different things that can distract us from our missional life. As a church, I'm saying to you, go live your lives. You got six days, go live your lives. But go live them for Jesus. We'll see you back here next Sunday to get fueled up again. Maybe, maybe that doesn't quite describe where you're at. That's all right. Maybe you you come here and then you hide. Let's be honest. We all got a little hide in us, don't we? But let's, let's make a start. Let's make a start this week. We're going to look at a, a final story. And it's going to be uh, coming to us out of Second Kings. And we are going to be looking at this man named Naaman and um, his healing that takes place. And what we're going to see in this passage is we're going to see that Naaman gets humbled. Life humbles him. And he eventually gets humbled by God, but he finds his redemption in that. And we're going to see that there's four people who play a part in his redemption story. Four people who are out there on that missional living, and they make a difference in his life. The story of Naaman is set hundreds of years before Jesus. And so this is an event that is taking place during the times of the kings. And it is taking place also during the time of the prophet Elisha. And so what is kind of the the spiritual climate of the time is uh, that this nation should be following God, but they often don't. And the king should be the leader in leading that, and that sometimes happens. And then they have prophets who come in and encourage people to follow God. I'm going to um, be reading from 2 Kings chapter 5. 
And um, I'm going to be beginning in a verse one. Uh, if you're looking on in your insert that came in your worship guide, it begins at a verse two, um, but I'll be there in just a moment. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given him victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. So Naaman, we got Naaman. He's going to be an important person in this. He's got leprosy. His life has humbled him. He has a terrible, contagious skin disease that leaves him ostracized from society. Despite all that he has accomplished, and he is well accomplished, the thing that is the overriding feature of him is this disease. Now, bands of raiders from Aaron had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. She served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. Missional living number one. We have a captured servant girl, and she relays a message to Naaman. There's a prophet who can cure these things. You should go see him. She's just doing her life, right? We talked about it. She's just doing her life like normal. She sees a problem she says there's a prophet of God who is the answer to that problem. Naaman went and told his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Merib replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send me someone to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. All right, we got missional living number two here. This is our king of Israel. He realizes that this opposing king has sent him a man to be cured of an incurable disease. And immediately his response is, I can't do it. And in the tearing of his clothes, it's this idea that he is putting before that this is a matter for God. This is something that God can deal with, not him. Now, as a king, certainly he is not used to asking for help, but he realizes he can't do it. The story continues. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the, have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman, Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent him a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. So we got missional living number three. That is the messenger. He's just doing his job. He's just doing this job. And so he does his job. Missional living number four is going to be Elijah. And he provides the opportunity for healing. And this story has a certain sense of humor in it. Um, as you might have been following along and noticed that Elisha doesn't go out and greet this important man. <laughs> Elisha just sends a messenger. And I, I have this vision of, you know, this house and, you know, and this huge entourage shows up with all these gifts that they're bringing, you know, and they're expecting some sort of very nice reception. You know, how amazed this little prophet guy is going to be to see all of us show up. He's going to run out to greet us. And yet they're met by the messenger 
And Elisha never walks out the door to say hello. Um, but we continue on in our story. Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over me, over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. And as the man of God told him, his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Naaman humbled himself before God by following unexpected directions. And he is cleansed of his disease. I think one of the things we see in this is that in Naaman's story of redemption, God uses many people to bring that about. There's no one single hero. You might think Elijah feels maybe most like the person responsible, but Elijah doesn't even go out and see him. Elijah just sends a message. And Elijah certainly doesn't do anything through his own power. He just says, hey, you know, go, go get in the river a couple of times. So who was the most important? I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like any. They all just did their part. And that's what it means to be missionally living. We all just do our part. God doesn't need any heroes. God just needs people who are willing to speak up and speak the truth. And one of the things we also see is that to follow God in our life, we must be humbled. We must reach the point where we say, God, help me. And that is the point of which we can invite God into our life. Is in that moment of declaration where we say, I can't do it myself. I need the help of God. And certainly as servants of God, that is the message that we want to bring to others. So as you consider yourself today, would you embrace missional living? Do life just like you're doing it. Just see the opportunities around you to communicate the message of God. As for the story that comes out of here out of 2 Kings 5, uh, the story actually continues on um, with kind of some more interesting features. And so if you want to see how that story ends, uh, you can go uh, to 2 Kings 5 and uh, continue reading from there. And uh, I, I encourage, it's, it really is interesting. I'm, I'm having, well, the, the situation is right now, I'm having to resist the urge to tell you more about that. Um, but I'm just going to leave that out there and encourage you um, to go and uh, read that. And um, as we consider this idea of in our own life, of accepting the humility of God and accepting missional living, I'm going to give us a chance to quietly reflect on today's message together.